0: Oh, absolutely.
1: They will say there'll be uh, 75 people in the door and they'll juice it to 125. Would you like, right? Like like it's always, it's never less than a hundred. Have you ever noticed that?
0: I know of one promoter that runs at a a state fair that tries to claim everybody in a certain building was at his show. Right. So there were 10,000 people at a show.
1: That's pretty amazing, actually. Let's... (laughs) I guess let's start the show. For those who do not know, the biggest wrestling spectacular, names from all over the country, former champions, I've never seen anything like it. Eddie Graham, Florida promotion, Vern and Superstar Billy Graham, Road Warriors, Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, Tennessee, Bill Watts, Jerry Jarrett, Dory Funk, Harley Race, uh, Nick Bockwinkel. This is Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. Hello and welcome to Cigars in Conversation's. Brought to you by our friends at All The Gimmicks, wherever good uh, podcasts are heard, I guess, at this point. I am your co-host, Jay Gilke, and I'm sitting here with a true raconteur in the world of professional wrestling. This man has shared the ring with a who's who of talent that ranges from John Morrison all the way to the Man Beast Rhino a wrestler, manager, commentator, and a trainer. He's contributed essays to wrestling publications and who recently, well, recently just got back from your honeymoon, right? Yes, that's correct. I'm looking at the notes here and it says recently got engaged. So these, these notes are a little old. <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, with 20 years of experience, he's a true Renaissance man with unlimited knowledge. Whoo! It's fun to be back, ladies and gentlemen. I am speaking of the one, the only, the incomparable Derek St. Holmes Esquire hi
0: hi okay a few things there
1: yes one i've never worked john morrison or rhino
0: two 25 years of experience now
1: yeah that's true we can up but i do that. say over so sure over sure so uh, one of
0: my favorite deals with that was when i was 18 years in uh when somebody bring announced me as approaching 20 years in wrestling i was like you
1: jerk yeah that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> stiff i yeah. will say so myself uh before the mics got rolling tonight and we were sharing some stories and fun times um and well to be honest the mics were rolling and we told kyle to stop the microphones we were like you know we don't wanna we don't want anything committed to tape uh or celluloid is that Uh, what they would say we were
0: using real names yeah yeah
1: so um anyhow and that was our uh attempt at protecting the businesses Kyle said uh so now here we are and now we're going to talk about protecting the business what do you think about that
0: yes I believe we've had notes on this for two years now yes we have welcome back everyone um some stuff happened
1: yeah um just I got real busy
0: (laughs) yeah good stuff uh I almost died I got married
1: yes Kyle got married Congratulations, Kyle. I think Kyle got married three times. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I saw him get married three times. I got to wear a tuxedo and stand up in Kyle's wedding. I wasn't invited to Derek's wedding.
0: Nobody was invited to my
1: wedding. Yeah, but I know a guy that was invited to your wedding that I know from a long time ago. And I don't know why he was there, but I wasn't there. Ilya?
0: Oh, because he's the partner of our efficient.
1: Oh. I thought we were kind of like partners on a podcast and in the wrestling business and stuff like that. I thought I'd have a little bit more. I mean, I mean, let's be real and let's let's pull the curtain back a touch here. I am kind of responsible for you guys. Yes, being
0: yes, I, we've given you credit numerous times,
1: except I wasn't invited to the wedding. I know it's tough. You know, I
0: almost died. Yes, you no, know I almost died. I,
1: I absolutely, and yes. I would have been there helping you. I got getting better. you over that hump as well as <sighs> I have in the wrestling business. All the things that I've done over these years.
0: Thank you. Yes, so, yes, we've often given you
1: credit. But I would have loved to have been invited to the wedding. Is all I'm saying. Absolutely. I mean, we. All, I thought we were tight. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, but just think about that, and let's hold on before we even. I did, I was afraid if you really did have a wedding, like a full reception, that would have been a very weird and awkward room with people in it, I feel, not knowing who would have all been there, who likes who, who's friends with who, who has heat with who, what it would have have been like. Um, And then I realized you probably would have not invited any of your wrestling friends and just invited me, and that would have been good.
0: Yes, you you were on the very short list. Was Kyle on the list? Yes. All right. Awesome. He's watched our cats.
1: That's true. Kyle watches the cats. That's true. Well, that's uh, good.
0: Yes, but I will say that I avoid wrestling weddings and went to great went to great lengths to avoid having a wrestling wedding by almost dying. But yeah, which was great.
1: Uh, did we ever tell that story about what? No, avoiding wrestling weddings or dying,
0: almost dying.
1: Tell no, we've never heard about the almost okay, dying. Okay, so about the almost dying.
0: blah 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 blah. Day before my wedding. Uh, had a pain in my calf, figured I'll just go to the gym and work it out and everything. At the gym, working out, looking in the mirror, thinking, God, my right leg looks fantastic. Why does my left leg look so skinny? So got home and finally figured out, oh, that's because my leg is swelled up. So I thought it was going to be a three-hour emergency room trip. Angela, my, my lovely wife Angela now, was out doing wedding stuff. So I thought it was going to be a three-hour trip to the emergency room and I'd be back and I could let her know, hey, we've got to get this followed up on no uh they found the blood clot with the ultrasound gave me the cat scan found it my lungs said we recommend you don't leave and i just said fine what does my day look like tomorrow so like i got it all arranged with the hospital to move everything there before i called angela to tell her because i wanted to have a solution ready to go because i knew she wasn't going to be in any shape to make any decisions so it's just like hi honey how's your day um That's good. Hey, shut up for a second. Uh, I'm in the hospital. (laughs) They're not going to let me leave. We're going to move the wedding here tomorrow. They're expecting you at the desk when you get here. Love you. Boom. Wow. That's kind of basically how it kind of went down.
1: And like a typical wife, she was pissed, right?
0: Uh, eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the joke was if I would have had a heart attack, you know, before our wedding, Angela would have killed me. Ah. But um. I was originally scheduled to wrestle in Winona, Minnesota the night before our wedding, but chose to cancel that gig because I didn't want to get hurt. Sure. And as Mr. Alex Riley pointed out, boy, you sure dodged a bullet on that one, didn't you? Yes. But seriously, if I would have been in Minnesota and had a match and drove home, there's every chance I could have had a heart attack driving and took that whole carload of people with me. So.
1: Well, who was in the car? Well, it w- <laughs> before we, before we really may have been yeah, worth it, I was saying, before we really like say this was like a good thing. Yes. We need to know who was in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. No, we didn't. Yeah. Tell yeah. me so, off the air.
0: Yeah. So that was that. Um, that's how, we, and then we got married and we got married. And then the weird part was like, we signed off on with the hospital that they could use it in publicity. And then on channel channel four it was a slow news day and we got in as like a bumper segment on the news, so suddenly we went semi viral. That's awesome. And that was weird. So You're I You're not
1: the only local wrestler I know that went viral <laughs> for something.
0: Uh, uh I did laugh and told Angela that my uh, my blood clot was just getting color so that I could get her yes, get her wedding broadcast all over the
1: place. So is it true Derek St. Holmes has not wrestled since? True. All right on. Um, true that's uh sad i've been looking to see you looking at all those posters that all look the same looking for you to show up on one
0: good luck yeah good luck
1: not going to show up on the uh i'm taking the terry uh, tower of men posters taking the
0: terry funk approach and that my price has gone up to a certain point and that if you want me sure i'll show up well that's good but i don't really want to leave the house sure
1: all right well maybe someday so that's that we'll be lucky to see Derek st holmes on a wrestling show sometime is that luck though
0: is that really luck
1: again We'll talk about that carload of guys, and we'll see how (laughs) how this went. Anyway, uh, but it
0: would be bad if that carload of guys would have gotten the accident because you would have had heels and faces together, and wouldn't have protected
1: the business. Uh Aha, and that's the segue to what we're talking about tonight, talking about protecting the business. Derek, uh, you have always, even on this podcast, to a point of an being annoying have protected the business at times what yes absolutely i'm not annoying. um i can't really go back specifically and point one out but i will glad i mean I, I don't, i'm like i'm a lot like uh, a musician that doesn't listen to their once they re- make the album i don't listen to it again oh yeah so, i agree with that so uh if anyone can point that out in an old podcast episode where derek kayfabes me about something that would be fantastic oh i just used terminology that I guess would be used as... To
0: protect the to business? protect the business. Well, but that's a good point, that the jargon of the business developed, obviously, from the carnivals, where people had to learn to communicate in front of potential marks or potential people they were going to steal money from, and they had to communicate in a way that wouldn't tip their hand to anybody. Sure. So you got some logo, you got the speaking in carny, with the speaking in keys Right. Um, which were once very integral parts of the business but now things have been watered down to the extent where that just doesn't exist anymore sure uh there's a good story about ivory um T- tina moretti is that a yeah. real name um somebody tried to say something to her in the locker room one time she's like excuse me i don't speak carny like okay that's that's fine that's, that's cool
1: um can i ask a question about uh and this will take us up to like yeah, this is going to be like the old man shaking his fist at the lawn and <laughs> um what are your thoughts on uh when you have uh, just the fans now using how like freely the terminology that used to be used like what's your opinions on that like you know what i mean like when you hear fans calling each other marks and you're just kind of like you're all like you're all marks yeah i mean you know stuff like that does that frustrate you thinking that they know the uh, like the terminology and like because even someone like and i'm sorry mm -hmm. it's even someone like myself who between us doing the podcast or me having the wrestling w- business, whatever, I still feel sometimes like an outsider and I don't feel like it's my right sometimes to be using that jargon or talking that way. Cause I'm not like an actual guy sure. wrestling on the show. Sure.
0: Know? Well, the information is out there. It's available and you can't put that back in. And that's fine. Um, everybody wants to be a part of the show and if fans want to use these terms in order to feel like they fit in you know so be it that that's a whole separate conversation uh the part i don't really like is the people that talk about the inside or act like they're on the inside that haven't taken the bumps right or haven't and i'm not saying oh, go up and down the road but i'm just saying like we earned the right to talk this way simply because we've gotten trained or gone into that. It's not Let's see. You now I'm trying to carefully craft my words so I don't call anybody out, but when you have a lot of the hangers-on that suddenly act like they're part of the business because they co-own a promotion or they're married to somebody that owns a promotion and it's just like Right. Uh, that doesn't, you know, go ahead, say what you want, but I'm not going to take you
1: seriously. Right. No, I yeah i agree and i I think that's kind of a i don't know like when a fan
0: calls you a jobber and it's just like which one of us paid to get in here
1: right exactly so uh that was the uh i made i didn't say i made the mistake but there was some news one some group wrestling group that i was on on social media and it was a bunch of the fans talking about it and one guy called another guy a mark and his statement. And then I, of course, because I just couldn't take it anymore. Like the one time in the last year I gave in and I just said, oh, one mark calling another mark is the most markish thing that could happen. And the amount of comments of people being angry that I said that yep. was like, whoa. Well, how dare you? How dare you how dare call you, us on our, dar- on yeah, our well, cosplay? I thought that was pretty funny. That I was like, oh, I, okay. And that's why I normally don't do social media. Um, at least not I just see that stuff and think it's yeah I
0: I very rarely participate in discussion areas of that type you know I'm more in like the history and such like that
1: so then speaking of the history what's the first um, thing that you can remember seeing you like I'm not talking about like when you started digging deep but like what was the first thing that you can remember that you saw that was kind of like that protecting the business or pulling back the curtain or something that might have jarred your, like, I'm like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Um, Cause I think you guys walked in. I was actually watching it that Morton Downey jr. Uh, episode. Sure. Well, that's so, a, that's a
0: good example. You'd see something like that. Now wrestling had already been opened up at that point because, one, we've already seen the 2020 at that point, right. But two, as we're going to discuss in another episode at some point, there have been constant exposes about the business throughout history, but they've just been regionalized. What happened in the mid 80s was it started to get national, sure, so that everybody saw the same source. Uh, but it didn't matter, right. Like it, it really didn't matter. the The prevailing belief in wrestling was that we have to convince them it's real or they won't come back. Sure. But that has since led to a new breed of fan that still knows it's not real, but they come for different reasons. I often say a lot of wrestling fans have almost a Dungeons and Dragons type view of the business of, oh, I could be entertained by this, but... I'm smart enough that I would move these pieces over here and do this and do that. Right. And everything. right. Which is another aspect of fandom that's developed that was around slightly when I was younger, but sure. not to the extent it is today.
1: So it was Jim Wilson, right? Was the guy in the morning sure. in the junior show. So, um, what, what you just brought up is kind of funny too, because, uh, uh, Dennis Carluzzo. Yes. Was on that episode. And at one point he says, and it kind of like at do- Dr. Death, David Schultz is on that episode. Who are these people? what Say it again, young Kyle. Like, who are these people? Okay. Do wanna, why don't you tell about Jim Wilson, and then we'll kind of. Guys, this is what I'm talking about. These young wrestling fans who don't know the history. Thank you, young
0: Kyle. Thank yeah, you for thank keeping you. us online. Sorry,
1: we're not talking about Hangman Page, Kyle. Sorry about that. Or a five-star uh five star match that happened on. Uh, don't they have six star matches? I think or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. pay attention. Uh, Kyle, would you rather us talk about um, the the demographics, about who watched the first quarter hour of one of those shows? No. So Jim okay, Wilson. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thank you, then.
0: Uh, Jim Wilson was a wrestler, a journeyman wrestler in the 70s that was a both a college athlete and a professional football athlete that got drafted into the business by Ray Gunkel, uh, who was around the Atlanta area uh Jim Wilson had a bigger picture of himself than he may have actually deserved in wrestling uh he went ahead had a had a non-stellar career claims he was blackballed because he didn't go to bed with Jim Barnett.
1: Is that what it was? Cuz yeah, cuz he said he went to Australia.
0: Yeah, he went to Australia and it was a homosexual promoter. Now, I remember hearing that on Morton Downey when I was younger just thinking, "Ooh, who's who's the gay person involved in wrestling?" And now it's just like, "Oh, they all are." That's sure. fantastic.
1: Well, and uh, Jim Wilson was gay too. No, he wasn't. He said I thought he said so on the Morton Downey Jr. Mm, He's uh, like, "Because of my sexuality, they uh, asked me to have they asked me to have sex with the promoter."
0: I I challenge you on that.
1: All right, we can bring it up after the okay. show. Okay. Well,
0: Jim Wilson's story is also captured in in, in the book uh, Chokehold.
1: Well, uh, well, according to Doctor D. David Schultz, oh, boy, <laughs> Jim Wilson's is gay as a picnic.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> um. So anyway, so Jim Wilson. Uh, Was blackballed out of the NWA or the prevailing wrestling organization at that time. Tried several times to run independent feds that got crushed by the NWA. So he made the rounds in 2020 and on Morton Downey Jr. basically coming out and saying, Hey, on the show 2020, yes, in 2020. I'm sorry, sorry, on the show 2020, saying, Hey, uh, you know, this is controlled, wrestlers aren't being treated fairly. You know, he was basically coming out against the establishment, and he was attacked by the establishment. Sure. You know, almost in a Scientology fair game kind of way. Right, right. You know, where he was slandered. Oh, why Why would we... Like, Dr. D, why would we listen to him? He's gay. Like right. You know, because that's the strategy you could use then. Uh, it's really fascinating now when you look at it, you just realize he was right the entire time. Sure. But because he had the machine against him, I, as a fan... Thought he was just a complainer, right? And a lot of people thought he was just a complainer, but no, he was right. But just there wasn't the infrastructure, or he didn't have the support in order to open that up, because even though wrestling had been exposed, it was still a closed business.
1: Well, and will you know, we'll, it was we'll only two
0: years prior that Jimmy Snuka beat his road wife to right, death. So
1: right. we'll uh, um, we'll put the video up on you or the YouTube video up on the Facebook page. Uh, if anyone is, hasn't seen the Morton Downey Jr. special or show about it, it's great. Um, one of the things that's really fascinating, and you really do kind of like, oh boy, when you're watching it, is Jim Wilson tells a story about how, because he wouldn't sleep with the promoter and they never mention Barnett by name, but well, of course they say Australia. They, but again,
0: in, in 85, nobody would have known who Jim Barnett, Barnett was.
1: exactly. And then uh, Morton Downey's like, tell us about, they wanted you to cut yourself and then Jim Wilson talks about, well, because I wouldn't sleep with them, they wanted me to uh, cut myself. And they don't really get into the blade job right. situation. But they talk about it a little bit. But Morton Downey goes and walks over to Dr. D, who's standing at a podium. And he goes, tell me, doctor, has a promoter ever asked you to cut your head for the business? And Dr. D's like, I've never heard anything as crazy about that in my whole life. As he, like, Dr. D's forehead is literally just yes. like, the, <laughs> all like the scar tissue. And he's like, I've never heard of anyone using a razor blade. Uh, and then it was cool too, because then Morton Downey Jr. goes back to Jim Wilson and says, so what do you do, blood packets or like a tablet? And Jim Wilson's like, I don't know where that came from. That I don't think that ever happened in the business. That's a weird story. True. Which is kind of funny because, right, I've never... Well, of anything even
0: uh don fargo would use that excuse like oh you think i'm using a blood capsule you've seen how bloody i get how many of those do i have to have right where right. am i going to store them? Am i going to put them in my trunks why aren't they going to melt why is it going to look like i'm having my period right oh well i guess you're right <laughs> yeah it's, like, it's really you. it's really fascinating but so like, sorry excuse me that's, but
1: that's all right there's this is there's no kids listening to this um there's nobody listening <laughs> yeah to this. so uh the other one too then i guess if you're looking at the 2020 exposé and uh-huh. you're looking at the Morton Downey Jr. show. Eddie Mansfield is in the um 2020 expose and he actually cuts himself yes. in front of Stassel. Is it Stossel? Yes. Yeah. In uh in that one. What was do you know what Eddie Mansfield's deal was? Was he another just like jaded, didn't get his shot, thought yeah. he was bigger than what he was, yeah. He was he was, he was
0: he was short. Uh, I mean he's got footage available. I yeah. mean he was an okay talker, but he was short. He wasn't he wasn't remarkable. And so he kind of got on the outside um he kind of hooked up with uh jim wilson for the 2020 thing uh claimed he didn't want to do the head cutting thing but he also knew that would make the effect sure and even nowadays people are like oh you mutilate yourself for wrestling it's like look it's just how it was done
1: right you know right
0: whatever i'm not going to get into the ethics of it or whatever right uh But that's always been the most sensational thing. What I really like about Eddie Mansfield is during Dark Side of the Ring, when he was on there talking about the slap that went around the world, suddenly Jim Wilson's story was his story. Sure. it's
1: like, no. Is Wilson dead? Yes. Yeah,
0: he passed away. I'm Um, not sure about that.
1: But would you say, like, were those some of the first things, like, as a kid you saw or teenager that you saw that kind of got you like, oh my God, there's this is a, like what's going on? like not nah, we know what's going on but like almost like that a little bit like that insider baseball about wrestling and and that like protecting the business type thing what did you feel like when you saw that because well, you saw that first run I mean I know we talked we were talking about that
0: yeah but that wasn't really protecting the business that was just more like everybody had always said wrestling was fake and when you saw that it was just kind of like yeah, I guess they're kind of right but it didn't matter because then the game began the game was then, well, then what are they doing? Right. But as far as protecting the business, I'd only like seen and heard stories like uh, Hogan getting his leg broke or sure. people getting roughed up. Because at that point, my real access to the business was through the after mag. So right. it was whatever they talked about. And you always heard how tough wrestling training was, how tough this was. And so that was more the the protecting of the business, like you still couldn't get in. Right. What really broke it open for me was in ninety three when I got that Percy Pringle booklet. And it's like, oh then that kind of laid it out of oh, okay. Sure. So this is how this whole machine works. But even that was still you have to get trained or you're going to hurt yourself.
1: Right, right. So No, and that makes sense. I just didn't know what the like if there was a point and I always try to think about looking back now and the things that we saw or the things and, and our childhood that were like clearly those protecting the business type moments that I can recognize now that I might not have been able to see at the time right as far as uh you know just some of those things that had happened you know and whether it was um what was I was trying to think of the um the point there was a point when wwf magazine announced that macho man was going to win the heavyweight title
0: yes they published a magazine like a month early
1: yeah and then like i know that they went into protection oh we're sorry about that you know like this is not this is not happening this is you know typo and we can't believe it but it was like so perfectly written It's like how i mean it happened. yeah yeah and, and now we ultimately see
0: it didn't matter but it, it was definitely an evolution and coming away from that. And the fandom today, uh, especially the newer fans, they, they never lived in a world with that. So right. it's it's hard for them to grasp it. And I understand. Even now, I'm sorry, to get back to your original yeah, yeah. question, no, I never saw any specific examples of like people getting their arms broken or the sure. business being protected that way. It was just a closed shop because there was no information about right. it. Now, since I've gotten in... Like I saw some semi, not necessarily shoots or discouraging, but like, oh, my friend wants to get in, but he doesn't respect the business. Let's be tough on him. Okay. So yeah. there was some stuff like that. But as far as the actual weeding out, that just kind of more or less happened in the ring. And- Guys would be stiff with you or they'd freeze you out in the locker room until you decided to leave.
1: And I don't know again if this is something necessarily you want to talk about, you know, we don't have to whatever I get it. But I think I want to say was it in the 90s here where some there was like a kid that went and did a birthday party or someone got trained or something they did like a chop fest on them. Yeah,
0: and- yeah, that was some kid that came to his first training event and at the time the prevailing thing was, well, hold his arms behind his back and he's got to go through the chop line. Now, the kid took every chop, and he was very happy at that point. It's when he got home and his mom saw the effects of it that
1: suddenly everything hit the fan. Sure. Were you in the business when that happened?
0: Yeah, I was in the ring. I didn't hit him.
1: but Oh, but you were actually at that? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It was at the bowling alley. It
1: was at the bowling alley. Yeah. Okay. So... Wild. Okay. So I didn't Yeah, know but
0: it was like...
1: How do you feel when you're there in that, when you're seeing that? Like, what are your thoughts? I mean, you're at that point, we're young. I get it. It's wrestling. It's yeah, sleazy. but it was
0: still like, this is unnecessary. Yeah,
1: you knew it was unnecessary. You knew it was not unnecessary when it was happening.
0: I knew that was unnecessary. I do agree with a vetting process for people sure. trying to get in. Yeah. Uh, I feel that can be replaced now with an athletic routine right. as opposed to a stretching or getting hurt routine. But you'll do that and then they'll just go somewhere else and get trained. So, right. Whatever.
1: You know, what's funny. And the story that you always, the story that I've heard so many times, but not even worth repeating here is like the Undertaker, uh, Buzz Sawyer sure. story about like, you know, Buzz Sawyer just up and leaving town, training with him in his front yard for a couple days or whatever. And then Undertaker supposedly getting his dog because he left, because Buzz Sawyer left it behind. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder sometimes how <laughs> Jesus, like back then, How did people even get in the business? I mean, it was just perseverance, wasn't it? It was like, work your way up, ring crew, whatever, kind of get in there. Well,
0: you had to be, because it was closed, you had to be invited in or you had to know somebody right like you had to be brought in that's why it was so easy for family members because they were already in quote unquote especially in places like the south that had such a wide family tree right but yeah you were either invited in or you went or you went in the number of actual freestanding schools at that point were very very thin
1: sure sure
0: um Ganya had his deal but i had no idea how to get to that besides Writing a letter to the Minneapolis Boxing and Wrestling Club, which I never did, right, right? But I assumed I always assumed all wrestlers in this area came from Minnesota. Okay, yeah. Like I had no idea of the scene in Milwaukee, uh, to the point where I saw a show at the Lacrosse Center in '92, and Skinner wrestled a George Anderson and I had a little notebook because, gosh darn it, it was wrestling, and I was going to record it. <laughs> and George Anderson, and then I found this notebook after I broke in and realized, holy crap, that George Anderson was Spymaster. Oh, really? Doing house show jobs for the WWF. Nice. So I asked him about it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. He did like three shows that week. And I was like, oh, okay. That's great. Yeah, so that just blew my mind that, and then all suddenly it clicked, like, wait a minute, he's from Milwaukee. That's how this works for, oh,
1: you know? yeah so with the jim wilson thing just to go back to that to kind of push it along here sure now at that point was he, with the exception of like the malenko and we'll get i think we should get to the uh ron garvin malenko uh where they're gonna hold uh territory hostage by they shot the, video, oh, the plan b the yeah plan b and i because i want to talk about that um was from what you've known or read or experienced or people who talked to when it came to the Jim Wilson was Jim Wilson the first kind of whistleblower at that like of that era of the 70s 80s to do that was it like him in the Mansfield Uh, were they the ones that were kind of spearheading that were there other people that were jaded do you know that were coming through or out of the business and trying to expose it at that time
0: Uh, Wilson was trying to expose the business because I believe he genuinely wanted to improve conditions for sure. the people in wrestling because uh, even he got his legs cut off from him from from Barnett and and lost a lot of money and couldn't get booked anywhere. Um, in other cases, like with Jack Pfeffer, he would come around and expo- or threaten to expose the business or, because he wanted to get in, in the market. Sure. So that's where you had the threat of exposure was being used as a bargaining chip to try and get into a market. It's like, oh, you're not going to let me in? I'm going to expose everything. There's a flyer that's available that Jack Pfeffer put out exposing Buddy Rogers as Herman Rode from New Jersey. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I've seen it. Tom Burke has it on his site, and I've seen it in a few different places. So that's where exposing the business that way was being used as a bargaining chip. Um, The people that wanted to do that, they had a vested interest, whereas Jim Wilson who thought he should have been champion? I'll get to that in a second. Uh, gen- genuinely wanted to get better pay for the boys and and you know wanted wanted to improve conditions. Basically, the same arguments that they're having today of why are these guys independent contractors if they're being told where to go and when to go? Right. Jim Wilson thought he should have been NWA champ. Claimed he was promised a title run. In my mind. You've got one jock talking to Ray Gunkel, who's another jock, saying you could do good in the business. Hey, maybe, maybe the NWA title would be in your future someday.
1: Yeah, you know, right.
0: I can very easily see a throwaway comment like right. that, stars in the eye. being misinterpreted then... as I was promised a title run. Right. So that's that's my feeling on that.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, yeah. So Jim Wilson. Didn't didn't have the right way to bring his message across, was kind of self-delusional, especially when you read his book and you see how many times he went back to trying to promote wrestling. It's okay. just like this was a lesson I had to learn at one time. Don't try to save wrestling because it doesn't want to be saved. Right. No, it's just wrestling Amen. eats its young. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Um
1: Wait, so he went back actually even after all of this and tried getting back in the business? Yes.
0: As you'll see in the book, he he got bounced out of the NWA. So he tried to get some other independents running with uh, Thunderbolt Patterson as his partner. And that's the big story about how they finally went to run in the Omni and the doors got locked, right? and the ring broke, and suddenly they couldn't get
1: payoffs. and So that's the reason why Thunderbolt is also on the Morton Downey Jr. episode.
0: Yeah, well, Thunderbolt...
1: <sighs> Treading here delicately
0: because of the times we are in. Sure. I feel Thunderbolt had some definite racial concerns about wrestling, but I also feel he was very self-delusional as well even to hear him say like you know i might not be able to read and write but i can sure book
1: a card and i can count my money right right kind of stuff like that like why can't i have a job well Uh, he uh, was talking about like and that's again on that morton downey jr episode he gets up and he's talking about racism in the wrestling business and promoters white promoters keeping black athletes black wrestlers down and dr death as uh as 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 eloquently as he could possibly put it is like uh, I was on the first match on the card in Atlanta, and you wrestled the champ, and then Terry Funk beat you, and you walked out after that show, and you know you he just kind of goes off on him, yes. and Thunderbolt, uh, saying like you had your shot, and then you walked away from your shot. Uh, um, yes,
0: and we all know that's that's a bullshit statement. One right. Doctor D working the whole way trying to protect his protect whatever. Rep- well, Doctor D is kind of his own on his own plane. Sure, right. so he was doing whatever he needed to do. Uh, as far as T Bolt being on top, sure, he could have wrestled, and maybe he felt he wasn't getting his money. Right. Now, maybe he wasn't getting his money. Maybe he decided he wanted more of the house. There's um, a good story of him trying to hold up Ann, Ann, uh, Ann Gunkel. That's yeah. her name. I was going to say Ann Barnett, but there's no Ann Barnett. <laughs> uh, trying to hold up Ann Gunkel you mean for more Ann money. Barnett. And yes, and one of uh, one of her referees getting out a gun, saying, uh, "You know, you can either wrestle this match or be in that field out there. I don't care." Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, but that's, that's wild. That's the kind of business we were in. Right. Guys used to carry guns. Right. Uh, oh, this is a this is a tangent. Jim Ross went off on that one time. Said, in that locker room. There were guys with guns, and decisions got made, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> but then, as somebody else pointed out. Okay, all of these guys regularly drank and drove. Right. Several of them addicted to drugs, several of them cheating on their wives, right, you right. know. Like during my honeymoon I reread uh JJ Dillon's book, Andre the Giant's book and B Brian Blair's book.
1: Jeez. And my
0: takeaway was That's what
1: you did on your honeymoon?
0: <laughs> we did other stuff on our
1: honeymoon oh, too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just want to
0: Um but my takeaway from that is wrestlers were always shitty. Right. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, what else? Right. What else? What else is there? I thought the other funny part on that Morton Downey Jr. special is they're like, you know, Dr. D's up there. He's defending the business with everything. And, you know, ah, I never cut myself and I've never heard of you, saying he's never heard of uh, Jim Wilson, which maybe he had. I don't know. Whatever. And then they're all of a sudden like, and ladies and gentlemen, Ted R C D. And then Ted Arcidi's like standing up there.
0: <laughs> he was local. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: right. And that's why. And then like Paul Dangerously got on the phone or he was on the, and he ends up uh, talking about Jim Wilson got blackballed because he couldn't draw a dime. But then the part that, and this is where I, I laugh. And this is kind of like, we'll go. this is that protecting the business where it's kind of funny where I'm like, this whole thing's a motherfucking work because they've got at the start of the show, Dr. D is standing at a podium off the stage. Jim Wilson is on the stage. Thunderbolt Patterson is on a, at a podium off the stage in the crowd. Dr. D's yelling at Thunderbolt. He's yelling at Jim Wilson. He's calling Jim Wilson gay. He's making fun of him, telling him he never did this. He sucks. He's this. He's that. Blah, 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 blah. Then they come back from a commercial break. Ted Arcidi's at the podium. Dr. Death is sitting a half a foot away from Jim Wilson on the stage. Yes, not I even remember thinking that was strange. And it's like you were just challenging him to a fight. And now you're sitting up there next to him and Jim Wilson just calm, just staring straight ahead, you know, not really engaging with anything. But like, but at that point, Dr. Death, not even like talking to him or not even including him in any of that conversation anymore. And that was sure. weird. I thought that was like, that was one of those like strange moments.
0: Um. Well, yes, that kind of tipped you. It's like, wait a minute. These guys were just yelling at each other. Why are they going to put them right next to each other? Right. You know and then there's a coffee throwing incident although the coffee was not hot
1: right of I want to point not. that out right. so
0: so that's interesting uh, in this show you saw some of the classic defenses of wrestling that existed throughout the years um, the the one of the first ones being I've never seen any of that right which is almost hundred percent a lie every time
1: shit I say that now
0: yes <laughs> what uh, <are> we <laughs> Number two is get in the ring with me and see how fake it is. Right. So that's another defense. But then you saw the classic things like this guy saying stuff. Let's try and discredit this source. Right. You know, in Scientology, they call that dead agenting. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm very, very into that lately by how much I've seen it reflected in regular
1: society. Sure. So let's just leave it at that. Scientology are just dead agenting.
0: Oh well, a lot of the. I'm using Scientology as a reference, but there is a lot of cultic behavior in society today, whether it is discrediting your source or dead agenting or or whatever. Uh, When you dead agent something, you try and discredit something as a source so that people stop believing them and stuff like that. You know that. and You probably know that, but somebody out there doesn't. Or or now we're getting on a list for saying that. Right. Let's see other things that have been used. uh, Wrestling has never had a breath of scandal, which was the big thing that they used due to the White Sox or the the Black Sox thing. Well, there's never been gambling on wrestling. It's like that's because they stopped it because they knew it was fake Fake. and people didn't want to get dead. Right, (laughs) right, right, right. So these these are common refrains that you hear. I think it was 86 or 87. There was like an Inside Edition, a match between Backland and Zabisco where they're heard calling spots and they confront Vern Gagne with that. And Vern's like, oh, I've never seen anything like this before. I'm certainly going to get to the bottom
1: of this. That's amazing.
0: It's like, okay, Vern.
1: Isn't it cr- Like, I know it's... We're looking at things with our eyes, our 2022 eyes. But like watching something like that, like a Inside Edition or a anything with people talking about wrestling and like these exposes about wrestling. And this is what I was gonna say before Dennis uh Carluzo was uh from was, oh, that's right. He uh, was because he was he was a promoter on the East Coast. Um
0: he was the one that promoted the NWA tournament where Shane Douglas threw down the belt and that led the to East, the establishment right. of ECW. And
1: okay. and on that Morton Downey episode he looks, he goes to Jim Wilson he says like you're saying all this stuff and these people here they're not dummies so he doesn't like address the actual like he goes you're saying all this stuff these people aren't dummies dr d's never heard of you but guess what and he turns to the crowd and goes you guys are still gonna watch wrestling right and the whole crowd's like yeah and he's like so what are you doing yeah he's like so why are you what do you do why are you doing this it doesn't matter which is kind of uh, a fascinating thing to think about because Watching that episode of Morton Downey Jr. just tonight, I was saying to myself, what was the thought pro Like, why were people so obsessed with trying to expose wrestling? And I mean, it's, it's tough because like we still will do shows now, like when we do our spot shows, if we do like a taco fest or if we do some kind of like a, about some paid show and there's always some guy who's not a wrestling fan that's out in the crowd that feels it necessary to tell his friends that he's there with hey, this isn't real. Which I always think then psychologically just kind of go like what are like you're not really necessary you're not telling your friends this because they know that. You're literally just saying this out loud to yourself because you don't want people to think you're yeah, they a dummy or something like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, so was that the point back then with media in general trying to expose the business so that uh it was just like, we know this is fake. And as long as they keep saying it's fake, we're going to keep pushing them on it until we can get them to admit it. I mean, I guess I don't I still don't understand why. it yes. was Like that.
0: Yes. Remember, at this time, wrestling was undergoing like its big resurgence. You know, WrestleMania just hitting everything. So it was the hip thing for the news to get on. But they always jumped on the pro wrestling. Is it real or is it fake? Jim Wilson wasn't necessarily trying to expose the business, hey, this is all fake. He was legitimately trying to point out business issues that existed. However, you couldn't accurately describe that situation without acknowledging the nature of the business. Right. Uh, and because he took this path the promoters and the combine at the time were able to take advantage of established strategies to discredit him and keep his message hidden
1: sure sure right you know
0: so so yes in the 80s that was the hip thing uh do you e- think that e- well even at mondo there was a promoter or there was a reporter one year that was starting to talk to me about oh this that and the other thing so is it all real and I just cut her off and said I'm not going to talk to you anymore. You can go get your story from somebody else. I love it. Well, don't you think it's good that people want to know this? Again, you can get your story from somebody else. I'm not going to talk about this. Right. I mean, it's 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 conquered ground. Yeah, right. In, exactly. in my mind, it's like a Certain uh, Christmas time figure, and right. that if you don't already know, I'm not going to tell
1: you. Well, you know, it's interesting. I wish you would have told me that that happened because we definitely would have had you wrestle on the show at some point then because it's been all these years and Derek St. Holmes has never wrestled on Well,
0: over. I mean, it's, it's, there's zeros, there's zeros on a page. That's true. No, we can talk.
1: That's uh, I'm just saying, I think just
0: move that decimal place over, m-
1: and maybe bit. this is and uh, we're uh, uh, going off because I do want to talk about plan B, I want to talk about the plan B thing, but I think. That strategically, in the 80s, at a point, wrestling was so big that Hollywood, the entertainment industry, was trying to find ways to discredit wrestling to get people away from doing that. You're looking at a Saturday night, and you've got 15,000 people or 10,000 people in Madison Square Garden. Those people could be seeing movies. They could be watching ABC. They could be watching that. NBC... Brandon Tartikoff, whatever, the ones that ended up picking up like Saturday night's main event were smart enough to realize why go after the business when we can actually get the business and put it on our channel. But I'm always curious if somewhere deep down, like I say, entertainment, the business in general, Mm -hmm. looked at wrestling, again, as a low-rent, sleazy hillbilly type thing but it's getting all this money making millions of dollars doing all this business you're on the cover of magazines here and that and what and all that taking away from that pull from actual motion pictures Hollywood things like that and I always wondered if that was something that was a reason why there was such that push to expose the business
0: I feel I understand your point but I still would like to challenge it because wrestling was around before Vince was around sure and especially in territories with weekly circuits, like wrestling was still drawing. So wrestling was always around as an entertainment choice. But it didn't the become only the Jogger
1: until till 80s. Well, that's
0: because Vince plugged into the, the publicity machine. Right. And he was he was able to do it, and he was able to come up with a version of wrestling that was digestible by the masses. But doesn't
1: it seem like during the 80s, it was uh, the witch hunt or the targeting of pro wrestling as being exposed was at its prime at that point when it was at its height as the as that entertainment form.
0: No because again, we'll see it's it's always happened. Sure. No, but it absolutely. was just always regional. Sure because there was a there was an expose in Saturday Evening Post in 53. there was the fall guys in 36. Uh, there, there have been other
1: exposés. No, and I'm not saying there haven't been, but I think that the actual, the, like that time that like there were, there had been exposés, but they never really had the traction. The book fall guys. I mean, it was out there, but it wasn't something people were like, like really, really talking about. There were ex. I mean, it's also a thick book. Right. Right. And wrestling in and of itself. They did things like you talked about, people discrediting other wrestlers and their skills and who they were. Inside, you know, wrestlers eating their own. Then you move to the 80s. Vince comes out, becomes this huge entertainment juggernaut all over the place, and you're getting things like that. Hollywood saying, nah, like we need to knock these guys down a peg. What do these people think? You know what I mean? We need to get like get some of that business back." I'm always curious if that sure played a part. I'm not. I'm yeah. not I mean, we're arguing. We're, we're I don't know. This is I, an d- I just I think missed for two years. Yes,
0: I, I I just feel that wrestling had became became a cultural phenomenon at that point, and it was the natural other side of the coin. Is it real or is
1: it fake? Do you have a uh, do you have a copy or a Xerox copy Xerox uh, of uh, Fall Guys? Do you have that book or a version of the book?
0: Well, yes, yes, I do.
1: And you actually have it with you?
0: Well, yes, yes, I Son do. Of a bitch. Well, I have it. Okay, so. so we're
1: yeah, what's going on here? No, 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 it's really here. I don't even here. know what voice I'm doing. I'm just doing like a half dumb, like, oh, hey. It's
0: really here. Uh, obviously, we could do an episode on The Fall Guys, but that was a book that originally...
1: Here, have Kyle open it. Yeah. Rather, you're holding a microphone. There. It's,
0: I just, this backpack has 40 zippers on it, so it's kind of, and I picked the wrong one. Anyway, it's, it's the one furthest
1: back. Speaking of which, here, put this uh, Christy Cannon book in there for uh, um, for Derek.
0: It made her a human,
1: it made hey. her a person. I'm hey. Sorry.
0: Uh, Talk about stories. There you go. Um, so, sca- thick. no, no, thick as in uh, uh, like 1930s writing. Oh, and then the private dick said to the person, hey, right. you're going to come over here. and you got to gonna... say to all
1: like Edward G. Robinson. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So my, my, my is. <laughs> friend Robinson.
0: But I do have a copy of Fall Guys that's just the book. <laughs> yeah. Scott Teal from Crowbar Press, buy everything from Crowbar Press, has come out with an annotated version. Oh, really? Um, can, that... I, can I borrow that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that actually goes in and again we can do another episode on fall guys right um
1: just give it the quick the I know quick the quick version the it, w- it
0: was considered the bible of how wrestling was but it's now come out that uh, it's kind of an after is it okay based it, it's got some some the timelines are screwed up some of the some of the issues are just flat out made up but a lot of a lot of legends have come out of this book simply because it was the only reference available.
1: Okay, the gotcha. End. The end. Yeah. But it, it existed and it was out there.
0: What was our original question?
1: Well, uh, I don't think there was one, but I want to okay. talk about Plan B because uh, I think that's a okay. huge thing. Can you well, give, give a give a little synopsis for the our friends at home? That uh, plan B is Kyle.
0: Plan B. Um, Ron Fuller was running Knoxville. Um, and then there was a small group of wrestlers that, for whatever reason, decided they wanted wanted to steal the territory. Um, as part of this plan to steal the territory, they went into a TV studio and recorded a 20-minute piece of footage where they all basically said, Hello, my name is blankety-blank, I wrestle under the name blankety-blank, and I've never had a real wrestling match in my entire life. And... So they basically went through and basically told the truth about everything. Like, I've never had a real wrestling match. The guy tells me when to lay down, this, that, and the other thing. So this piece of tape was something that they threatened Robert Fuller with. This goes into what I was saying earlier about people exposing the business. Right. They're trying to expose the business in order to kill kill the territory in some different right. area. Right. So I guess to, to that's the quick summary of it. Right. Like they came out. it was Bob Roop, Bob Orton Jr., Ron Garvin. Ron Garvin, Malenko. Was uh, there another one? I can't oh, remember. Oh, um, uh, the guy that lived there, Ron Wright. Yes. Ron Wright, which was very funny, but he came out because he was sore because he wasn't getting points in the Knoxville territory despite having lived there for so long. Um, but this was another example of wrestlers threatening to expose the business and promoters being so scared. Uh, I forget what happened. I think they just got kicked out of Knoxville, or it killed the territory in the town for a while, and then Fuller went and concentrated on Pensacola. Um, So it did get released? The piece of tape did not get released, but the knowledge of what was going on got released, and that killed the business in the area because it exposed Ron Fuller as the promoter and exposed this, that, and the other thing.
1: And with the invention of the Internet, that piece is now released, and that piece is actually on YouTube. So we can post that up on the Facebook page too, Kyle. At some point, you can watch that for your when you're done watching your New Japan uh, G5 Climax Summit. Uh, I mean, it's games. an
0: interesting piece Tournament. of tape in that because you have to realize what they're saying was considered so shocking at the point, like, oh my god, they're telling the truth about it's wrestling. a crazy video, which is weird lie. because you watch it and you're just video. kind of like, yeah. Right. You know, it was kind of everything you never wanted to believe about wrestling. Right. But uh Bob Roop had a bad habit of trying to steal territories because he later tried to steal San Francisco from Roy Shires and got shut out from that. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Like just go in and run opposition or actually try to take...
0: <laughs> trying to take the territory. Oh, really? It's like the old man's
1: on his ass. Let's take it. Interesting. Yeah.
0: That's in the... uh When it was Big Time Book from Rock Rims, which is uh, no longer um, available.
1: Didn't Bob Roop just die? No, he's still around. Oh, he's still around? I thought there was someone. He's
0: still around uh, talking about protecting the business. Yeah. Bob Roop had the Sugar Hold Challenge.
1: Yeah, which is like my favorite story in all of (laughs) professional wrestling. But you tell it because this is your show. Is it? Yes.
0: Uh, The Sugar Hold Challenge. The Sugar Hold is essentially a sideways, full Nelson that uh wrestlers would use to torture the newbies because you can cut off a person's wind and it's it's a very painful disorienting hold he had uh basically anybody from the audience could come in and try and break his hold for a thousand dollars so like the big muscle guys would come with and their bodies worked against them because they had big shoulder muscles that would cut off their wind a smaller martial arts type guy came in and kind of saw how the hold was on so when Roop cinched down, he was able to flip his leg out and escape from the hold.
1: But you know what, though? But he wasn't, he was like, and you say martial arts guy and you make it sound like he was like Jean Claude Van Damme or like no. some guy. He was just some like local scrawny yokel guy yeah. that did karate lessons. Like he was like your typical like 1970s long haired, yeah. you know, hit kind of guy. Right. And he had. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to jump no, no, on it, but ahead. like one of my favorite parts is it is like he was either watching a video of it or he had pictures. There, there were no videos, not, no. But he was watching on TV or he was watching, or he had pictures of it from a magazine, and he was studying the pictures, and he realized that oh, it's like a full Nelson. But I'm laying down. And he just realized that if I could just get my body in a different position, I would easily be able to get out of it. Yeah,
0: thing. I think it was something about he turned the photo upside yes, down. Yes, he turned the photo upside down. Yeah, that's what, and that then that's it. what kind of chimed right. the bell for him. So he escaped from this hold. Suddenly, uh, now it turns into Angelo Paffo not wanting to pay a $1,000. <laughs>
1: because it's wrestling.
0: Because then suddenly, well, he didn't beat the time limit. Well, there was no time limit. There was a small demonstration that was set up at the show. Uh, My favorite part was they offered to train him in wrestling, but he's just like, no, because I think you're just going to try and hurt me. Right. Uh, Bob Orton Jr. comes out to the ring and suggests maybe he better get his ass out of the ring if he knows what's good for him. He's like, I just want my money. So... The, the sheriff wound up getting involved and he wound up getting his money, but it was a big thing. And through the magic of the internet, these two guys connected 25 years later yeah, to talk about cool. this experience. It's like,
1: yeah, I remember you, and blah, blah, right? blah, blah, blah. Isn't that wild? So, And you can actually get that footage too, as well. Like, I think that's out there. Or at least well, there's, the, or at there's least...
0: footage of him talking about it. There's yeah. not footage uh, of the actual right. challenge because that I, would have been pictures, very damaging. But
1: there, right. But there's pictures of um, them meeting uh, and uh, pro wrestling stories com i believe it might be or one of yeah those whatever it gets great out. website actually for some really good stories they actually go through and they talk to all the players in it uh and that is to me like that is one of those great stories of the business where it's like they really thought that they had something like it's like something yep. where they were just gonna stick it to the regular man and and then this one guy just figures it out and goes in and just like that you know and uh I love that story. Like that is truly one of my favorite stories of the wrestling business. And the the fact that they didn't want to pay him after he did it is just like the most, that's the most wrestling part of it. Most wrestling thing ever. Right. I always thought that was pretty humorous. So, but yeah, like you just look at all those ways that they tried to take the business, protect it. But then at the same time, having people inside the business that fucked with it and were willing to expose it. And back to the plan B thing really quick. I think that's the thing that's, most jarring to me is that, you know, you hear all these people that tell these stories about how they like, I love the business and the business is my life. And it's an art. And they talk about like, you know, it's like this, this big, cream dream about like, like honor and this and that. And then you watch these guys that were willing to take a like it was a business and they were willing just to be like, hi, this isn't my real name and I've never lost a match. And they were willing to give it all up just like that yep. or change it up just like that. So um, it's fascinating because you then yeah, it's a business. It's not, I mean, yes, you can love your business, but at the same time, it's like those it's guys, a business, yeah. it's a business and you got to treat it as such, which I always say, <laughs> sure i don't actually let's see what
0: else about, i barely like the business about protecting the business i don't know Are, i think Are that we, was pretty good actually. well but i just wanted to go into when Ganya would train guys uh flair and brunzel and other guys who might be working together all claimed that they were not smartened up until they were ready to go in the ring for their first match right during training they were taught things like well, look, we know you're a wrestler and nobody will ever be able to slam you. But just in case they do, we want to show you how to fall so you can protect yourself. So that's how everything was approached. It wasn't this is fake. This is where It's like, no, you'll find yourself here someday. Here's how you protect yourself. Right. So that's how they further protected the business. But those guys also got stretched and calisthenic their way out of their minds right. and blah,
1: blah, blah, Well, blah, that blah. was famous too. Vern would have them out in that barn and it would be like 10 degrees outside. And yes. would be like running laps. There's
0: great footage of that on YouTube, both under the making of a wrestler with Chris Taylor. And then there's a Ken Patera uh, short, which I believe comes from the Carolinas, but uh, has footage of him in the barn. Okay. Which is all funny because you see like... Buddy rose with long hair and a mustache and Sergeant Slaughter when he was still Bob Remus and stuff like that. Right.
1: And they're all in there and it's like, you just, you look at it and it's almost like now again, given what we know, you're like, wow, it looks like they're just trying to make all these guys quit.
0: Yeah. Which is what they were trying to do. (laughs) Right. Get the money because they had, they had the advantage of having so many people wanting to be in wrestling. This happened with all Japan women as well. They had so many people that wanted to be in wrestling that they were able to force people to quit. Whereas now you're scraping to get anybody in the door. You know, it's it's a different deal.
1: Right. Hey, speaking of a different deal, this was great. That had nothing to do with it. I just, that was the worst segue I think I've ever done to a finish of a show. You've done worse. It's true. Uh, What, what, uh, I'm not going to protect the business. I think it's time to take it home on this one. Yes. Yes. Hey, uh, good to be back. Kyle, it's good to see you married, two married men joining my ranks as a married, uh, individual. Right. Is he hitting on us? No, not at all. Maybe. Okay. Not a, listen, I'm no Jim Jim Wilson. But <sighs> Jim Wilson I think he was.
0: Again, Jim Wilson was right. That's what's so frustrating. This whole time it's like he was right, he just didn't the infrastructure wasn't in place for him to adequately discuss the issues. True. So.
1: Well, again, of of that's wasn't a good wrestler, though. There's no, footage. No, clearly not, not a good, good wrestler. Not but good. it's funny Stomped to look back. Stomped his foot on punches. For years, being led to believe or made to believe that he was the enemy. He was the person trying to bring down big wrestling. You know what I mean? He was the one that was trying to bring down the corporation, bring down, like, the. But in the end, what he was actually trying to do was expose uh, Frankie DeFalco. No, expose people for, uh, you know, better treatment of wrestlers and whatnot. Hopefully. I hope so. And, you know, again, someday we'll talk about the those blade jobs. I know you don't do blade jobs. Last I heard, you just took light tubes to the back.
0: I took a, I've done a
1: handful of blade jobs. Yeah. But the most recent thing was the light tube to the back, right? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, which led to
1: a scar on my arm, and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. See? Protecting the business, Kyle. No, God it's just damn stupidity. Him. Okay.
0: Well, my part was stupid. That's all.
1: Well, this episode has been stupid good. That's what I'm going to say. It's good to be back in the room with Derek. It's good to be back with young Kyle. We're going to uh, hopefully crank some more of these out again. Uh, just want to say thank you to everybody for hanging tight. And It's been amazing this last two years that we've actually had people yes. liking, coming on the Facebook page and like all of a sudden liking it. The people have been listening to the show. Jim Hollywood yep. from the Vanguard. I went out with him on Saturday night. That dude was like, I still listen to old episodes. Nice. So if that, I think that's super cool.
0: Let's see. We got to give a shout out to ego. We got to give a shout out to Jay. We got to give a shout out to Fifell. Like all these guys. Yeah.
1: Seriously. A lot of people. Kruger. uh, Thank you. Yeah. People asking us to bring it back and it just kind of took a while, but I think we're feeling our oats and uh, we will come up with some new topics. Uh, we'll definitely have some more stuff. We're gonna throw some stuff out. Got to do some question and answer. I know that'll get some. <laughs> that's get, always, that, the, always that's always the a fun cheap one. Get out yeah. exactly. Every answer is just Magnum TA. Uh, and uh, have you
0: seen the new figure?
1: Yeah, the new figure looks great. Yeah, those all well. The only one I didn't think that looked good was I think it was the Vern Ghani I didn't think looked very good.
0: Yeah, well, Ghani and Thes. It's hard to like make them with hair.
1: Right. Yeah. And then um, even though uh, it was Jim Hollywood who smartened me up, and I didn't real and. This is I don't watch a lot of this stuff but like uh I didn't realize that DiBiase and Hansen were a team in Japan. Yes. Hence the reason why they have them both wearing the same gear in that figure line. They're both wearing the yes, like the chaps. God, I
0: can't remember who I heard this story from, but there was one time Hansen and DiBiase were getting ready to go out in Japan and uh as Hansen went to go out there was a small gate that he kicked open and it slammed shut and looked like it hit him when he got back looked like it hit him, but they walked through and they got to the ring. And Hanson's going all around and DiBiase's in the ring. And finally he walks up to DiBiase and says, Teddy, I can't feel my nuts. (laughs) Because he hit him on the gate when he was walking out, but he couldn't sell it to the people.
1: (laughs) And on that note, uh, we're going to get out of here. This has been Cigars in Conversation with Derek St. Holmes, Esquire. And we promise, we really do promise, we will talk to you again very soon. Bye.